Coming up, Forever My Girls' Jessica Roth talks about wanting to work with Guillermo del Toro, while Jeff Stoltz talks about fibbing to get a job in the film 12 Horses. Everyone reads the Forever My Girl interview and it's just me raving about Shape of Water and trying to get a job on his next film. That would go over really well. The good news is these horses were trained better than the actors were trained. She's so smart. So smart. Alex and I used to talk all the time about how we're pretty sure she's smarter than both of us. If I got caught making machine gun noises as I was shooting, like I was going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. Welcome, come on in, wipe off your shoes, have a seat at the bar, pour yourself in the groni, and sit back and listen to the conversations as they fly through the air. A little bit later on, Jessica Roth will be here. You might not recognize that name, but if you saw the movie Happy Death Day, you know who she is. We'll get to her in a second. First up though, Jeff Stoltz. Jeff Stoltz is one of the co-stars of 12 Horses, a film in theaters right now. It is the true story of the Green Beret battle to take back a Taliban-occupied city right after 9-11. It is action-packed. It is a war film that's about ideology. It's about a war that has no traditional endpoint. It's a thoroughly modern war film, and yet a lot of the warfare that we see in the film was done on horseback. We'll get to why in just a few minutes, but we'll also get to why Jeff Stoltz did just a little bit to get the job. Here's Jeff Stoltz from 12 Horses. This is the first time in 60 years that the American soldier, any American soldier, fought on horseback. It makes for some really striking visuals. In the Doesn't movie. it? Yeah. Yeah, this sort of modern warfare. And yet, you know, people on horseback fighting against tanks and that kind of thing. Um, we, I have to ask, had you ever ridden a horse before? Or were you one of those actors that lied and said, yeah, totally, I can ride a horse. Fuck yeah, I lied. <laughs> yeah. And just like everybody else, like, of course I can ice skate and ride a horse and throw the javelin. Um, uh, I'd been on a horse, but I, I, mean, I certainly wasn't riding down hills, shooting guns. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I grew up part-time in Colorado so I mean I grew up like we trail ride and things but I certainly haven't been on a horse in years so you know the the first day getting on this horse was uh it was it was uh it was interesting yeah Yeah. and what sort of challenges I mean I I I wonder there's a acting is is partially anyway technical kind of hit marks you got to do all this stuff if you're on a an animal that you same thing maybe not have complete control over all the time what challenges does that present yeah i mean we that, those were some of the things that we worked on like yeah. i mean the wranglers would throw marks out on the ground and we'd have to ride up and stop and hit our marks i mean ish yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the good news is these horses were trained better than the actors were trained so <laughs> they're they 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 knew what they were doing but like anything else they're temperamental animals i mean yeah. sometimes they didn't want to stand there for 10 takes in a row while the actors got their lines right yeah. on a weird angle on a hill right. um that was that was hard, harder than writing was like getting these fuckers to stay still and there's so many have you have you you've seen there's so many like down the line shots yeah, of yeah. like chris and the rest of the guys and across See, yeah basically what we're looking at i mean so between takes we all of us would be like just to keep the horses chill we'd be moving them around because they don't they they don't like you don't yeah. want me standing on your back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Huh. So they get uh, that was um, certainly part of it. We got 
to a point though where we would most of us instead of riding the van to set we would just go get our horses and ride the horse to set because it was actually more comfortable to ride the horse than it would be to sit like in on the four-wheeler Kubota thing like bouncing around because I mean the terrain you didn't make that up that was real terrible um, it was just rocky shitty terrain Um, the horses didn't love walking on it like it was tough to walk on it was easier to ride a horse yeah it's New Mexico right it was yeah southern New Mexico Uh, just outside Albuquerque and then southern like Alamogordo and White Sands pretty pretty drastic um, stunning real unforgiving landscape but beautiful it's really, I mean, again, in the film, it's almost like a character in the film. It really is, yeah. yeah. And you realize the uh, the difficulties. I mean, in a typical war film, uh, I think, you know, John Wayne for a war film, whatever, there's a battlefield and you fight and it's, you know, it looks much different than this. And this movie, I think, visually gives you clues as to why it's so, it has been so difficult to fight wars over there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we shot in... Um, we shot in some caves that are actually there in New Mexico still. Um, many things have been shot there, but we really use them as a character. Um, and that, I mean, that's just these these caves. And and you've seen some of those scenes where they've got. There's a scene actually with myself and uh, Jack Kessie's character, and he's he's looking on the wall, and there's like all these writings from the Russians yeah, yeah. and from you like. And I think my character says, "Well, you don't fucking write in there." Like that's obviously been bad luck. Um, the Afghans have been, you know, occupied. People have been trying to fight wars there. They grew, they still, they've, they've grown up. It's a part of their, their culture. Yeah. And the reason that they are winning or they're, that there's, you know, that they never, nobody ever really conquered them yeah. is because of that. Because well, they know how to move around there. What, what's the line that, that Dotson says in the movie? It's something like, uh, Empires have risen and fallen, trying to uh, yeah, and, so, and you know, will be will still be here. That's or right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's so many great lines in it like yeah. that, um, and and the V just really plays. So, he's so good in this movie. He plays such a great dotsum and yeah. so powerful, uh, powerful performance. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm just then you have me thinking now about the terrain and the things, the places that we shot. It was just, it was so fun. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones I'm, I'm gonna never forget. I'm proud, proud to be a part of it, and it was just, it was just awesome to be a part of. Well, and you were working with not only, uh, from what I understand, some of the guys who were actually part of, yes. of of the task force were there, but like you mentioned, Jack Casey, he's a former Green Beret or Marine or something, isn't he? Yeah, he was. Guy? He was military yeah. guy. But we've yeah. got Kenny Sheard. Um, Kenny is. He's an actor, but he's a former Navy SEAL who spent multiple tours. Of course, now the phone's not working because it's on the Welcome to Canada thing. <laughs> he, um, he's the one of us, you know, big black beard. He yeah. was like the 12th guy. Probably had the least amount of lines because yeah, yeah. he actually was a real Navy SEAL, <laughs> but they hired him as the 12th actor. Right. We, and it turned out that we, I mean, by, by three weeks in, not, I mean, by, by a weekend, every actor, like if we were getting ready to do a scene, I'd be like, and I'd just look at Kenny, and, and he wouldn't even really say anything. He would just be like, 
He would move. He would show me like you know you've got you got your sling on wrong. Right. You're right. not holding the, the the gun. You're not standing right. Like yeah. and it got to the point where even Nikolai, the director, when he'd be setting up a shot, he would be like Kenny, <laughs> and Kenny would come over and be like, Do you want to know the truth? <laughs> no, we wouldn't fucking do that. There's yeah. no way. And be like shots done. We're moving. It was really important to be authentic. Well, it is because like you see cop movies or or whatever, and you know when they kick in a door and they do the thing, yeah. it, you can tell right away if they know how yeah. to handle a gun or not. Even if you've never handled a gun, you know what it should look like. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that so we had we had Kenny who was an actor slash became a technical advisor, um, and then we had technical advisors. Then we had a couple of the real guys. I mean, they were way more story point in the development of the script and development of the characters than they were. They were definitely on set, but they weren't like, you know, they were not there in the morning at at call and then to wrap, so that's what we had those advisors for. Um, So we, that being said, like there's there's not a lot of excuses for us to not be authentic, and that was really important to everybody, obviously. I mean, especially us because we're the ones on on camera. We wanted it to look realistic. I, you know, I'm, if I, I, if if I got caught making machine gun noises as I was shooting, <laughs> like I was gonna get my ass kicked. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be really embarrassing. Um, so uh, boot camp, mm-hmm. you go through a boot camp um, where the the real guys are. It must have been kind of humbling to have them actually there, or. Poignant, maybe not humbling is the word. It is humbling, yeah. I mean, it, and definitely poignant. But um, I'll say the real guys—they were way more. We're here. They didn't want to step on toes. They hadn't right. been a part of the movie making process. Yeah, yeah, like they—they—they yeah. they, they wanted to be collaborative and supportive and just there to as as a sounding board. Anything we wanted from them, right. we had to go to them. Chris had to go to them. Um, obviously, Chris had a much more in-depth relationship with with uh, Bob because he was playing him. Um, but we we had to go to them. We would have dinners with them and things. Now, our advisors, who had now were definitely were former special forces guys, but had been now working in the t- TV and film industry, would they would be more of a "What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah, your yeah. kid." I'm like, "I'm sorry." Like, you get yelled at. Um, so those guys were way more hands-on. Yeah. That's not how you hold a gun. That's not how you move. And, and it was it was simple, like little things. Like I'm looking at the the, the picture of Pena right there, and just you know the way the way that you walk. We, you're not walking when you're going in like a normal dude yeah, walking. Yeah. You're, you're like your center of gravity is underneath you, and um, there's little things like that that you wouldn't necessarily think about if you don't do it for a living. Um, so they were just on top of us. But again, it was such a collaboration. Everybody wanted it to be as good as possible. For because those guys were around, because we wanted to, you know, to do right by them, to pay homage to them, to the ones that are still alive, the ones that aren't, and really to all, you know, men and women of um, of the armed forces. This is like this is this was like us for them, yeah. like to tell a story about heroism and uh, you know being a part of a cause that's greater than yourself. All those kind of things. It's cliche, cliche and cheesy, but it's true, and all of us took that to heart. Well, you know, sometimes the cliches are cliches because they're true. And, you know, after 9-11, there was a rush of people that signed up to join the military. Um, The characters in here, Chris Hemsworth character, was on a desk job and said, nope, take that, you know, I'm going back in. And even though he had never actually fought in in a war. Um, So there is that that kind of 
burst of patriotism that came out that I, I, I think has eroded a little bit now it only has. because it's been so like long. War fatigue. And, yeah, yeah, you get war fatigue and you realize that this is a different kind of war. It's an ideological war. It's not a it's not a war of, you know, we got three more acres of land, you know, we took it back from right. the day. I mean, there's a bit of that, but it's ideological. There's no end to this, I don't think. And that's what yeah. the movie does a good job, I think, of, of portraying. And explaining that, yeah. you're right. Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think one of the things that's important about this, um, to kind of go with that thought, is we can all remember, I keep saying this, everybody that was alive and old enough to remember 9-11. You can, you, we can remember what happened then. And now this is, it happened on American soil. This is an American skewing story about yeah. a bunch of Americans, but that, that wasn't an, an isolated American experience. It was a global event. It changed our, all of our lives. It yeah. changed people in Canada's lives just as much as it did. I mean, we're Absolutely. essentially, yeah. whether Canadians want it or not, you're fucking attached yeah. to us. <laughs> and I say this a lot, that Canadians know more about, I mean, this is a unfortunate for Americans. Canadians know more and pay attention more to American goings on in politics than I think most Americans do. Yeah, if you ask far. most Americans what they think of Canadian politics, they'll say, "Well, I don't think about Canadian politics." That's exactly that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, that's true. I mean, part of that is it's you know it's a much smaller. Yeah. Um, so you know, if the roles were reversed, it would be it would be a different story. But this is this is a story about that feeling that we all had as free, the, like the, the, the free world, for lack of a better phrase, had that morning of 9-11, and this is about like that hopelessness and the, and the despair and the, and the feeling helpless, and this is about that, that all of us, every one of us, I'm sure, was like, what can I do, what can I do? You know, if it was as simple as like, fuck, I better call, I better call my mom and tell her I love her. Yeah, yeah. This was taking it the next step, like, okay, this is what you were talking about. These guys already were enlisted. They already were in, the, in 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 service. But this is about the people that said, "All right, what are we going to do to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again?" And it's a story about twelve guys that were willing to make what could have been the ultimate sacrifice and go over and leave. The, and my favorite, I think, my favorite quote in the line in the movie is Michael Shannon's line where he says to Chris, "It's a hell of a thing." Um, loving your family, but then leaving them to go off to war. And it, I, I mean, I've never had to experience that. I can only imagine what that's like. Um, kissing your wife and kids goodbye and, and promising them that you're going to come home, knowing full well that you can't make that promise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, more than anything else, too, I think that this is it's a story of, of, the, of American heroics. And uh, but it's all it's also about the people of Afghanistan and the collaboration and um, and and their heroics, because this this, you know, this couldn't happen. This couldn't have happened without them and and General Dotson's uh, his partnership. And yeah, it's like these people, as you were talking about, they've been occupied, they've been oppressed. They're dealing. I mean, they're dealing on a daily basis. They've got the Taliban coming in and out of their villages, and they're switching allegiances just because they want to eat and they want to survive, and they got a gun to their head. Um, they don't. They want to. They know they've got the same wants and needs and hopes as, as we do. They're just. You know. They just wear different clothes. Um, so it, it's about 
painting the picture that not all, it's very easy in, in television and cinema to paint um, anybody of Middle Eastern descent as like the bad guy. It's very, especially in, in nowadays. Um, and this is, this is the opposite of this. This shows what, uh, you know, the, the heroism of these people um, and how, and you know, this, the whole storyline with um, Travante and that young kid, I forget, yeah. I forget his character's name. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's real. They made these guys made real connections with these people, and they were willing to dive not only for one another and for their ideals, but for these, you know, these people, of what they believed in. So, I, to me, like I'll talk about it all day long. I, I love this movie. I love this story. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Um, and I think it's nice to know, and, and why I think it's important that a story like this gets told is that fuck. I mean, it's nice to know that there's there, there's still some heroes out there that are there. Um, you know, there's a lot of you turn on the news. There's a lot of bad shit that happens yeah. every day, but there's there are people that are making sacrifices so that I can go play dress up. Right. Yeah, I know. and I, I loved playing dress up in that one. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> That was Jeff Stoltz. Now, I probably should have told you that that interview was not safe for work. NSFW, everybody. Jeff Stoltz from 12 Horses. Next up, we're going to talk to someone who I guess would these days be called a starlet. Her name is Jessica Roth. She's a 30-year-old actor. She appeared with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in the Oscar-winning La La Land, and last year was the best thing about this time-loop murder mystery called Happy Death Day. She's back in a film called Forever My Girl. It's a charming enough little movie. It's kind of a Hallmark movie with, you know, a little side detour to Harlequin Land. Uh, It's the best non-Nicholas Sparks, Nicholas Sparks in the theaters right now. Uh, But the best thing about it, and this is, seems to be, you know, kind of her M.O. these days, the best thing about it is Jessica Roth, like she was the best thing about Happy Death Day. I enjoy her performances in these movies. They're natural. Uh, She seems like she's fully immersed in it, but she's charismatic as all get out. Bigger things are in store for her. This is Jessica Roth talking about Forever My Girl. You know, I I thought when I first read about it that it was an odd choice for you, and I only say that because I loved Happy Death Day so much that I thought I'm going to see her in more horror films, and I'm going to see her in that kind of thing. But you're, you're popping up in different sorts of things. I know La La Land was before that. You've got another musical sort of on tap to come. So is this what it's going to be like? Are you going to surprise me every time out? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I feel so lucky and so fortunate to have had so many incredible opportunities. Um, But one thing that does feel very important to me as an artist is to continually challenge myself and push myself and do all different kinds of things. And I'm such a huge fan of films in general. Like, I love watching rom-coms. Like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is one of my favorite movies. But I also love big Marvel movies, and I love intimate, um, gritty little indies. And, like, I just watched The Shape of Water the other night and thought that that was absolutely stunning. So I, as if it's good storytelling, it's good storytelling. It doesn't matter what genre it is. And I just want to do it all. The Shape of Water is my favorite movie of last year. Me 
too. It is so, it's like, it's almost the perfect movie. I could talk about it a lot. I won't, because I know I'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be everyone, talking about another movie, right? Yeah, everyone reads the Forever My Girl interview, and it's just me raving about <laughs> Cable Water and trying to get a job on his next film. That would go over really well. Well, I'm calling from Toronto, and Guillermo del Toro lives here now. Really? So you have to come here and hang around, yeah. Oh, and I will. he love. makes all his movies here. He made The Shape of Water here. Well, maybe you can put in a good word I for will. me. I will. I'll do that. Yeah, when I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your character. Tell me a little bit about uh, what makes her tick, because I think it could have been easy to play her as angry. I think it could have been easy to play her a bunch of different ways. Uh, but you play her as a, a, a very well-rounded three-dimensional character. Tell me about creating her. So, I think the, the main word that comes to mind when describing Josie is strong. She's an incredibly strong woman. And one of the reasons I was drawn to the script was the strength, because here is someone who was left at the altar, had a baby on the way, kind of life, life happened unexpectedly. And I think a lot of people could have taken that in many, many different ways and, and either pitied themselves or and decided not to have the child or whatever, whatever it may be. And there was nothing wrong with any of those things, but Josie has this amazing strength that she's not a victim of that circumstance. She didn't let that define her. And that's one of the most amazing things about her. So when Liam returned, here she is with a business of her own, this amazing fun, spunky eight-year-old, and this incredible community that she's built. Um, and she's not looking back ever. And I think it's one of the things that makes this film unique in its genre is the sense that Josie's not chasing after Liam. Um, Josie has moved on. She has forgiven him she, uh, for the most part. She has forgiven him. She has kind of found her way through life and um, it's up to Liam to prove to her that he's worthy of being in their life, not the other way around. And why is a character like this important now? I mean, I was really struck by the strength that she shows in this and, and I suppose, you know, in, in any time you're creating a character, you think, well, how will people respond to this? But it seems to me that for right now, right in this moment, that her her strength is something that you certainly would like to portray and see more of on screen. Oh, I definitely think so. I think that um, it's very important for young women and women to be given the opportunity to portray characters with strength. I know I learned things about my own strength from working on this film and from playing Josie. Um, I think a lot of us are stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And I think that it's so important, um, important and something I hope will happen more for women to see relationships where it's, it's about finding a partner that takes care of you and sees you for who you are and respects you, um, whether you're a man or a woman, honestly, but that, that that's part of love, it, that love is amazing, but you also need that respect and that kind of communicative relationship. Um, so that's something that I think is so important and yeah she's just she's a badass Josie's just a badass she, she totally has life under control but also not in the sense that she's closed off to things she's you know 
I think it takes a lot of strength to open up to Liam again. I think, think it takes a lot of strength to trust him again, to embrace him and welcome him into first her home and then her heart, and to trust him with her child, because up until this point, she is the only thing that's kept that child safe. Um, and I think that I can only imagine how terrifying that must be. And her strength is the thing that enables that. Tell me a little bit about working then with the, the young girl that plays Billy. Abby is terrific in this movie. She's, she is amazing. She's so fun. She's so fun in the movie. And I just love the way she has with the line. She seems to be able to spit out one-liners like, you know, she's Milton Berle or something. I mean, she's amazing. Tell me she about is. creating your relationship with her. Oh, she has incredible comedic timing. She's so smart. So smart. Alex and I used to talk all the time about how we're pretty sure she's smarter than both of us. <laughs> um, but, and also, very professional, always ready to work, which is so important when you're working with a kid and you have limited hours on set with them. Um, but the funny thing was, I think that my relationship with Abby, I, m I met Abby a couple times before we started the film. Um, I met up with her and her mom at a juice bar, and just so Abby would feel comfortable with me. But other than that, we didn't get a lot a prep time because she was still in school. Right. Um, and so I think in some ways the fact that I was her m mother in the film really benefited me in building our relationship because every single time I didn't know what my what I should be doing in the scene, what, what Josie was thinking about, it always was, how is Billy doing? Right. How is Abby doing? Where is Abby? Is Abby safe? Is Abby taking care of? Is she hungry? Um, is someone talking to her she doesn't want to talk to? Do I need to take care of her? And having that be kind of the backbone of Josie and her thought process and how she moves through the world was incredibly helpful um, and something that as someone who's not a parent, I, I can only imagine would be how you would function. But it, it also helped that it helped our relationship. It helped that our relationship onset and offset was very similar, that, that I came to feel feel um, protective of her and maternal and, and like I was trying to make sure she was okay because film stuff can be crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it worked in our benefit. How old were you when you either wanted to start acting or when you started acting? Were you quite young when you knew what you wanted to do? I always knew I wanted to do this. However, I didn't think it could be my real job. Um, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. There is no industry there. My parents are not in the business. And so acting was always something that I was like, oh, cool, if I get good grades and finish soccer practice, I can go to acting practice. Um, so I had a drama teacher in high school who kind of said, sat me down at one point and was like, if you want to do this, I really think you could. And she helped me look at colleges and programs and decide where I might want to go to school, and that's how I ended up at Boston University in their theater conservatory. Um, I'm incredibly lucky that my parents are amazingly supportive and generous, generous people who have put so much faith in me as I've decided to jump into this crazy business because it's so outside of their comfort zone um, in terms of what a profession could be. Um, but so I, I started later in life in the sense that I didn't start acting professionally until I was out of school. Um, but I always, it was my dream job. You know, some little, some little girls want to be a ballerina. I wanted to be an actress. Did you see a little bit of yourself in Abby, maybe? 
I did. I did. I mean, she was much more composed on set than I ever. I, if, if I, as an eight-year-old, could have been that worldly and on top of my game, I would have been amazed with me. Um, but I think she loves reading, which I've always been an avid reader. She um, has a little brother who she loves to tease, but feels protective of. And she loves acting because she loves pretending to be different people. And I think that that's for a lot of actors, where love of acting starts, um, so I could really relate to that. Did you have advice for her? You know, I think she's got her head on pretty straight. <laughs> I think she's doing really well. As eight-year-olds go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as eight-year-olds go. I mean, you know, I I think she's, she is doing all of the right things. She's acting and following her dreams but still in school and I, I think her parents are doing an amazing job. I think she should be the one giving me advice, honestly. <laughs> and you were shooting in Louisiana. Yeah. Oh and no, we were actually shooting in Atlanta. The movie is set in Louisiana, but we were in Atlanta. Okay, so still Georgia. hot, steamy. Oh, it was so hot. Yeah, and that's part of the character of the film though, right? It's you're meant to feel that kind of heat and that sort of southern sort of feel to it. It it I think for me added so much atmosphere to the film. Yeah, it's an incredible thing. But I really think the town and the south is another character in this movie. Yeah. Um because I think living in the South and the way of life shapes who those people are so completely. So we were lucky. And so even though I'm sure there were days you could have talked to me and I would have been like, it's so hot, I can't even put two words together. Um, I think that you're right, that it really added to the, the ambiance of the film. Well, that and, too, that it's a small town, and small towns have a, have a different feel to them. And I, I liked some of the very smaller moments or the much smaller moments um, when an older woman comes in to buy flowers at your store and you take them out and you know her husband, he's in the car and it was just that struck me as being very authentic to what small town life is like Yeah, and those I, things it, add character and, and atmosphere to the film it was nice for me because when I was growing up I used to wish that we lived in a small town, I thought it would be amazing to know everyone's names and everyone's business and be able to run down the street and knock on your friend's door. As an adult, I can see how that could also maybe not be the best thing in the world, but I got to live on a small town for a couple weeks, so it was perfect. I uh, grew up in a small town, and I will tell you, it's better as a fantasy often. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of being, knowing everyone, because if you know everyone, they all know you. Yes, exactly. They know exactly <laughs> what you're up to, and, you know, yeah. The film comes out uh, on Friday. Yeah. And uh, what's next for you after this? You're, I know so, there's, you're going to make a musical, right? Is that right? I've already made the musical. Oh. The musical actually is coming out um, June 29th. It's, called, it's Valley Girl. Yeah. An 80s musical. Um, we had a ball making it. I had to learn to roller skate, which was terrifying, but <laughs> amazing. Um, there's lots of singing and dancing and big, big hair and shoulder pads. So it's pretty much everything that's amazing about the 80s. Um, but we had an absolute ball making it. I can't wait to see how it's turned out and to celebrate it. Uh, we had an incredible cast and crew, and my co-star, Josh Whitehouse, is a dream. Um, I get to work with all of the handsome Brits. For sure. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing that and I'm just looking for what the next thing will be and hopefully it's something totally different from any of these movies and I, I hope I keep on surprising you.
Keep your eye open for Jessica Roth maybe in a Guillermo del Toro movie coming soon to a theater near you. That's it, though. That's all there is. Thanks for coming by. Really appreciate it. You know, we put up a new show every single week. And as much as we appreciate Jessica Roth coming by and Jeff Stoltz, there'd be no reason to sit here and talk to them unless you were here. We would just be screaming into the void. So thank you for coming. We put up a new show every Monday. You never know who's going to be here. So, you know, make sure you come back and check us out often because maybe one of your favorite people will come by. And you, know, you don't want to miss that. 